0: Hey everyone and welcome to The Stewardship of You. This is a Peak Energy Nutrition podcast. I am your host, Greg Darley, and you know we spend a ton of time around here talking about energy, right? Because that's what we need to do our jobs, to fulfill our callings, right? Whether you're leading a big business, a church, or just your family, we can't leave our energy to chance. And so we gather here uh, with leaders and experts to talk about how can we get more energy? What do we do when we're tired? What do we do when we're sick? Um, How can we get better? And so listen, you owe it to those that you lead and those that you love to bring your best energy. And hey, do us a favor. If you found this episode helpful, would you share it with a friend? Um, We'll put stuff on social media. So send it out, pass along to a friend. And if you love this episode, which I know you're going to, hey, would you leave us a review? Wherever you listen to your podcast, just pop us a review there. That helps us get the word out to more leaders, more listeners, and that would be really great. And this episode is brought to you by Peak Energy Nutrition. In the show notes, and I'll give you the link here, um, if you go to stressless.peakenergynutrition.com, you can get a free three-day Stress Less Challenge. We put together some content to help us deal with stress. Now listen, this also comes with a 10% off code for your next purchase. And uh, every month we're doing a giveaway of up to $300 worth of supplements and gifts for a lucky person. So go to the link, sign up, uh, figure out how to lower some of your stress. And you can also get in on some of these premium supplements for busy leaders. All right, now to today's episode, let's get to it. I'm very excited about my friend, Mark McDonald. Listen, Mark, for more than 30 years, has been working in branding, advertising, communication, creativity. Um, He focuses so much energy and effort on helping churches communicate effectively, right? So uh, to help with their brand, um, he's a best-selling author. Uh, He is available, also does amazing consulting at BeKnownForSomething.com. Uh, More impressive, Um, I think that he started his career when he was in elementary school because uh, it says that he's been working in this industry for 30 years. I'm not really sure how that works. We'll get into that. He's a communications pastor, former executive director uh, of organizations, has written over 800 published articles about church communications, and I could go on and on, but let's get to it. So, hey, Mark, welcome to the show, friend. Hey
1: so glad to be here with you speaking of energy i mean i just have to look at you and i mean i wouldn't want to be on a treadmill trying to keep up with you
0: (laughs) oh i hate treadmills but i'll use them sometimes it's funny that reminds me of a there was a a will smith quote um and he used to tell me how competitive he is and how much he wants to win he said i guarantee that whoever sits next or whoever runs next to me on a treadmill I will outrun them. He goes, I will not get off. The only way I will get off is if I basically collapse and you have to drag me off, you know? So there's that competitive edge. Um, hey, I'd love to, uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey. Share that with some of our our listeners here. Like give us a little flyby, you know, where you've been. I mean, how did you, how did you get into this idea of creativity and, and branding and all that? And then, you know, how did you land? There's obviously lots of opportunity. How did you land on, you know, your focus on, on helping churches and church leaders? yeah I'm
1: I mean I look back over my life and I can't believe I get to do what God gets me to do I mean I it's I'm Canadian so I uh, I was raised in a family uh, of entrepreneurs my dad worked for the telephone company all of his life but always had a side hustle um, and and he kind of raised me up to realize that whatever you put your mind to you can achieve it and uh, he also taught me an awful lot about organization and, and the skill of running a business. But um, I, I guess that, I mean, he put me, he gave me a paper route or allowed me to do a paper route. Uh, I survived a paper route uh, as I was growing up. And uh, and it kept growing and more and more. Like every time that they would say, you know, the the newspaper would say, okay, so go out and find new people who want to receive the you know the the, the newspaper. Well, th- this was back in the day when we used to have the bag over our shoulder and we would go door to door and we would throw in newspapers. And uh, uh, and I became I had the largest paper route in our entire city. And, uh, and I used to get awards for it. And I kept thinking, whoa, like, I'm a somebody, but really, I, I was a somebody in my little group of of homes that I would deliver newspapers to. And, uh, and and now I look at, you know, my, like, just social media. And I have, I mean, I have, <laughs> it's like, it even sounds crazy, but I have almost 50,000 people who follow me on social media. and, and that's larger than my entire city when I was growing up. So I, I remember ke- keep, you know, I kept thinking, okay, so I'm influencing these people. Well, here I am, I feel like there's a weight, it's like the weight of all those newspapers around my shoulder where I realize I have, to, I have to keep those followers and I have to keep those followers entertained and I have to keep them informed and hopefully I'll make a little bit of money off of them as well. So so I guess that, you know, looking back there and then realizing as I started through high school and even into college, I always had a side hustle. I always did either graphic design or I, I was a singer. So, I, you know, I recorded an album with, you know, Sandy Patty's producers and at the Gaither Studios. Did about 300 concerts, started talking to pastors during those, uh, those concert times. And, and I used to say, so what are you doing for marketing and communications? And, and pastors would look at me with that look of, are you saved? Like we're a church, we don't do marketing. I mean, I mean, what, what do you mean? Like we have something in the yellow pages. Like, is that what you're talking about? And, and what I realized was, uh, well, first of all, I fell in love with what pastors are doing and, and I, I don't think people fully understand all the work that a pastor has to do. They just work on
0: Sundays, right? And that's, uh, yeah, (laughs) it's for about about an hour.
1: (laughs) If they teach a Sunday school class, two hours. Um, yeah. And, and so the more I talked with them, the more I realized, okay, they, they don't know that they need marketing. I need to word it in such a way so that they understand that your church needs to be known for something relevant and needed in your community. And they would go, well, yeah, oh, no, yeah, no, that's good. That's really good. Um, and, and what I, what I've realized through my life is here's a pastor that doesn't know that he needs marketing, but he really does need marketing. Well, here's the pastor who's talking to a community who doesn't know that they need Jesus but they do need Jesus. So it's all in the way that you communicate. And through my degree in graphic design, so I'm a graphic designer by trade, um, I've just slowly realized that it's more about the message and the concept and being able to connect and engage with a group of people. And that, I just, I am passionate about it. I love talking to pastors and helping them understand, you know, who is your pipeline? The pipeline's the community that God's placed you in. So how do you engage with them when they don't really
0: want you to engage with them? Hmm. That's um, yeah, I guess that's the, that's the, the constant, you know, kind of struggle and, and just reality that you're, that you're wrestling with, you know, with leaders. Um, so one of the things that I want to dive into is, is really looking at again from a personal, you know, viewpoint from, from the individual creatives, you know, place, right? So making these connections of, okay, you know, for like, for instance, for you, like I've seen you engage with leaders. I've seen, you know, you you do keynotes, you know, talks, you do trainings, your communication presence is strong, you know, and, and, and that in itself requires an exorbitant amount of energy and focus. And I know for me, like I'm a, I'm actually an introvert. And so it's one of those where, you know, okay, so you are too, so you'll get this. But I love communicating. I love, maybe not, you know, back in the day when I was speaking at events, you know, years ago and five, six thousand people, and man, I love that. And then, you know, I'll kind of engage with a few folks afterwards. That's always fun. Do a little Q and A. And then afterwards, I'm like, I just want to go to my hotel room and take a nap or, you know, catch up on the game or read a book, sit by myself in the coffee shop, you know, that kind of deal. Um you know so for me, I know it takes a lot of energy, but to to do what you do that does so man I'd love to for for you to share what are you doing as you're preparing and knowing hey especially as an introvert right i got i gotta bring my energy so what does that look like for you practically how are you what are you doing to keep your energy up to keep it going well, and it is true i i'm I'm an introvert, and I think that
1: um for, for people who are introverts that are required to be extroverts, I think they're called omniverts and the, and that omnivert knows how to, how to become something that they don't really feel comfortable, but we grow into the comfortableness of being on the stage and performing. Um, I, I guess the, the big thing for me is that all of it's draining. Like, and, and I know, you know, if you're an introvert, I, you understand that drain, and and uh, even in college when uh, you know I would be part of uh, you know big performances and you know I sang opera and and acted in Shakespeare plays and did a lot of drama stuff.
0: We're and, gonna come back. We're gonna come back to that, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not gonna <laughs> let him skip past that. We'll come back to that. Uh,
1: and and I I remember the the uh, producers or the directors of the shows that I was in they would say beware of the um the cliff that you're going to fall off after this is all over and and i've always in the back of my mind realized that the more expectation and the more excitement that i have to build up that energy that i have to to build up in order to be able to be that you know outward focused person moments afterwards i hit that I either fall off the cliff or I like run smack into a wall. And usually what I try to do is I I try to plan to either have another project that I can start right afterwards so that I can start anticipating something else or I have a really good break that I that I try to do. And I'm I'm the same way when I'm when I'm traveling. Um I'm on a stage talking to thousands of people, and then I want to be alone in my room. There, there are times that I get into my room, and uh, I'll you know either go on social media or I'll I'll start reading. And I realize, oh my goodness, I haven't even turned on a TV. Oh yeah, I can turn on the TV, and then I turn on the TV, and I don't I don't really watch any of it. I just get um, I just I I kind of collapse into this hole of of restoration. And I think that we all need that restoration time.
0: What? uh so what would you do, like leading up to like the, the maybe the night before you know a big presentation or you know a big speaking event? Practically, what do you do in there? Now it's interesting
1: because you know coming from the singing side, um, my my mom she used to play the piano for me, and I would. Uh, yeah, as early as I can remember, I was think I was eight years old when I did my first solo. I would stand behind her and uh, and and we would practice and she would always say, you're not smiling. I can tell that you're not smiling. And I kept thinking, oh, why do I need to smile? I'm alone in our living room behind you. And she said, no, always practice the way that you want to perform. And um I don't practice that much anymore. However, the one thing that when I was doing singing, I, the reason why I would practice is so that I could memorize everything. There's nothing to me. Like when I when I'm watching a speaker and they're practically reading their script, like that just that that drives me crazy. There's there's almost like a barrier between me and and the communicator. And that's something that I don't ever want to be. So I always want to make sure that if my notes uh, fall off the, the stage or I, I, you know, my phone has a cataclysmic disaster and I lose my notes, I want to be able to, to um, actually talk through. So like the outline that I have prepared, you know, usually a few weeks before, um I review that outline to a point that I could probably do it um, and and not have to have it in front of me. Part of that, it's interesting because um, I read someplace that um, if you can mimic uh, and this it sounds so stupid whenever I say it, and, and it's like I, I did read it. I have no idea where where I read it, but they said that, if you have a specific flavor of gum in your mouth while you rehearse something or go through something if you can have that same flavor when you deliver it you'll remember it better so um so i usually try to mimic what like if i know i'm going to have
0: give this man some bubblicious that's what he's saying right now
1: (laughs) or or if there's a mint that I, I know I'm gonna probably put in my mouth just before going up on stage so that, you know, I can freshen my breath, like all of those things. Sometimes it's just, a, it's, it's like, if I know I'm gonna have a coffee alongside or a water or or a soda, I a diet soda, but um, but I, I have it there while I'm going through it. And for some reason, I usually have really good recall on those outlines. And there's something called m- muscle memory that, um, that in in drama and in acting uh, what we knew was that if you have a hard time if you stumble over something or if you have a certain amount of lines all you have to do is just read that line three or four times and then the, when you try to do it without the script muscle memory takes over so that you know your muscles um know what action comes next and they they anticipate it so it goes into it so so oftentimes it's just the muscle memory of going through the outline and and i don't go through all the stories in my mind but instead i i pause i know that that's a story and then i go into the next thing so so i remember transitions in my and the muscle memory remembers that transition and then the flavor helps you remember everything
0: I'm going to have to look up that study. That's interesting. Well, one of the, you know, things that I've spent a lot of time the last few years researching and learning about is sleep and just the intricacies of it. I mean, I, I mean, I've got two books here on my desk, uh, digging back into it, doing a, an episode here solely com- committed and focused on sleep. And, you know, there's a number of studies that talk about recall and your ability to remember, you know, based upon how much REM sleep you're getting. Um, You know, and so practically it's one of those where, man, if you've you've got something you need to memorize or that, you know, it needs to be in in, to be able to recall quickly, you've got to be able to, uh, one of the best things you could do is actually stop reading it, go to bed and just get good sleep. Uh, But the problem is REM sleep typically happens in the second half of sleep. And so the second, you know, kind of wave of sleep. So typically the second kind of four hour window, right? So it's going to be in that. 2 to 6 a.m., 3 to 7 a.m. slot. Well, I know a lot of times like when I travel or if there's an event and I got to be up at 5 or 6 and so I'm actually cutting some of that off and so man, trying to work my way backwards and saying, okay, hey, I know I need this amount of sleep but I got to get up at this time so I I need to be proactive in that. So just one of those things. Um we're so, very much alike because, I mean, sleep is
1: incredibly important to me. And that, and it sounds like I'm a, a lazy guy, but I'm really not. I, I guess that as a creative, a lot of creatives say, I'm a night owl. I do my best work at night. That typically means that you procrastinated all day. So you have to get the work done at night. And, and what I've, you know, I've read some studies about sleep and about how important the sleep before 12 o'clock is. So I started thinking, well, so the sleep before 12 o'clock, that means I have to go to bed a little bit early. I mean, the first little bit when I tried to do it, I, I mean, I laid in bed thinking this is not gonna work. But now I've gotten to a point where, you know, I get up shortly after six to go to the gym and, and, i work my tail off throughout the day so that at around 10 o'clock i'm ready to collapse into bed and and i i mean i i sleep like a a rock and uh and especially if i have something big the next day i have to kind of put it out of my mind and uh and just try to get that good amount of sleep it's very important
0: yeah it's not about being lazy i mean i get i tell leaders all the time sleep is is it is a free it, i mean it is it is absolutely the single greatest investment you can make in yourself bang for the buck right i mean it's going to cost you nothing yeah well opportunity cost get it i was an economics major get it there's you know you know well but if i'm not working or whatever but again studies also show right working when you're when you're tired sleepy if you're not totally dialed in and engaged if your brain's not you know hitting on all cylinders so we actually not getting great work done anyways it would be better to go to sleep Um yeah and I'm not I'm not one to to say
1: that I I don't every so often just lay down for a nap either uh, I'm not a regular napper but if I find um if I find in the afternoon like at a, around the one o'clock two o'clock like if there's this dip that I just think you know what <laughs> I might as well lay down. I lay down and I, I take a very quick, like, I don't, I don't set an alarm or anything, but like 20 minutes later I wake up and I get so much more work done in that next hour than if I were to try to plow through it.
0: Yeah. And that's not a herd There's a lot of, there's a lot of studies and folks that, that do similar things. It's one of those where, you know, if you're, if you're relying on the nap every day, like, i.e., my freshman year in college, where I just got in this rhythm of basically taking a nap every 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 day uh, for a stretch. There, realizing this is probably not not how it should be. Uh, but there are times when that definitely works. Hey, what are some other? I mean, that's that's clearly an important connection between creativity, uh, like and and health. So sleep is is again. If you're tired all the time, you're not going to be doing great work. So, have you noticed any personally? Like, what are some other connections that you've made between, you know, creativity, your, your ability to do good work, any other health kind of connections or anything like that?
1: It's interesting cause, um, like anxiety and stress, um, are typically assigned to the most creative people. Um, and, and I think that there is a relationship there mainly because, um, what i found is that all all creative projects fill whatever time you allow so it drives me crazy i'll think i'm gonna try to get this done early and in the back of my mind i think okay i don't have to present it until tomorrow at two um shockingly at quarter to two that's when i'm finishing it up tomorrow when i think i could have probably knocked this thing out yesterday but i had a i have a way of making projects because in the create like i in the creative world i wish that there were more rights and wrongs i'm i try to know what the rules are but there's so much play area with creativity and then if I just go to the rules that it becomes somewhat boring for me and I, I want to kind of inject into it the, you know, push on the rules a little bit or, or let's stretch this or let's just try to do something a little bit different. But what ends up happening is that you, you fill your time and then if anything unexpected comes, which brings anxiety and that stress of I can't get it done now. Like in my mind, I thought I had enough time and I've kind of stretched and I've procrastinated and I've done, you know, I've added to the project and then what, like this guy's calling me, I don't have time for this call. And like inside, there's just this pent up stress and and anxiety. And what I found is that I have to set false deadlines for myself. In order to make sure that I'm completing things with enough allowance of how much time is actually going to take, uh, setting goals. I mean, I'll. I would just like to talk all about how to set goals. I that. <laughs> so a goal is a false deadline. I mean, in my mind, I need to get a certain amount of work done. I have a lot of work that I have to get done. I have to be able to get it done in a. Uh, in a fashion so that my stress level and my anxiety of will I get it done um, so that it, it's non-existent or at least it, it it works for me rather than works against me. So, so when it comes to goals, um, I know in the creative world and in the agency world especially, there are so many interruptions. It's very rare that I can ever get a 20 minute to a 30 minute time frame where I can actually work on something. So, I'm, you know, that the whole false deadline thing. I have an app called Things that I have on my phone and on my computer. Nothing goes on my to do list unless it can be done in 20 to 30 minutes because I know I can't get a long, like if I put something on that's that's a really long, you know, it's gonna take me four hours to get this thing done, I immediately look at it and I get stress and anxiety. Instead, if I break it down into, okay, so instead of four hours, what can I do in the first 20? Oh, I can probably do a little bit of research to identify, you know, my outline. Well, I can do that in 20 to 30 minutes. I I can look at my my to-do list and it doesn't give me stress because I think you know what I've just finished that call I've just finished recording the podcast I have about a half hour before my next thing and I can just quickly look at my to-do list and go I can knock that out and there is just nothing better for me than to click on something and then watch things have it disappear into the abyss
0: that um man that connection of stress, you know, again, most, most people, when we talk about stress, it's again, all stress is bad, you know, and, you know, yeah, especially again in in these uncertain times, all that kind of, you know, what we're in, it's just life. We're in life. And yeah, there's been additional complications and, but they're stressors, right? So like this idea of really, we got to figure out how do we manage these stressors, in our life. And, you know, we're, I mean, talking earlier, I was listening to this podcast talking about the amount of, there's been basically an average of a 20% increase, the amount of sleep that people have gotten since March and this is in the States. I think it's about average. And I think the, the, the research was saying that, you know, the, the lowest state was an increase in 10%, but everyone's getting more sleep, which ironically helps deal with stress better. Um, but you know, the one thing that, this researcher said that just man, it just uh, stopped, stopped working out and typed it in Evernote was saying, you know, the, we can try to fight against biology, but most of the time we'll lose. And so he's talking about, you know, Hey, not getting enough sleep, talking about our immune system and those things. So it's saying, Hey, you can try to fight against it, but typically what happens is you get a cold, right? Cause you're not getting enough sleep, not getting enough, you know, uh, vitamins and antioxidants and those things, you know, you're something's off. We try to fight against, it. oh, I don't need that much sleep, or I can, hey, I can just kind of plow through. Well, the same thing I think applies with, I mean, research, I mean, it's just, it's, I mean, ad nauseum has shown you can't sit down for four hours and work on something. You just can't do it. Your, your brain cannot do that, you know, and so spacing that out, uh, but seeing that connector to stress, I think is really huge and trying to figure out, okay, then how can I, how can I manage and, and even leverage some of these stressors for the good versus it all kind of weighing down against sleep is such Although, an easy... Although,
1: you know, it's interesting because the a lot of people say, wow, do you get nervous before you go up on stage? And it's like, yeah, I do. And I hope I never lose that because that's the good stress. Like the good stress is the anticipation there's a lot going through my mind. I really want to connect to the audience. I really want to give them what they're looking for. I, I know I'm prepared. So as soon as I know I'm prepared, it's all I can do. And then there is almost that that, that anticip, anticipatory stress that it, uh, adds acuity that That was a crazy word that just popped in my mind, but it, it it like helps you focus and and I find that um that the more of that good stress that is available to me,
0: the more creative i am um and that's what stress was intended for right I mean stress is like again, i can't tell people stress is the reason you're here because years ago you know the when the McDonald family was moving into Canada and they were trying to find a place to live. And you know, there were mountain lions and, you know, you know, lions and tigers and bears saying, no, you can't move in here and they start chasing down. Well, stress is what allowed your ancestors to say, Oh crap, let me run, let me hide, you know, let me fight, you know, like short, acute stress is good. I mean, again, that's how you, you sprain your ankle short-term stress is actually what saves it and allows it to heal itself. Long-term chronic stress. That's what kills us. That's, you know, that's what helps, uh, you know, it helps us age and and, and and increases disease and and sickness and all those things, lowers our immunity, you know, so that, that short-term stress of it. it I love that it, it, it allows us to focus. And that was the point. A bear is coming. I'm not thinking about my to-do list. I'm not thinking about, you know, did we farm field, you know, see over there. No, no, no. There's a bear coming. I'm focusing all my energy. All my brain power is how do I get away? How do I protect me and my family from this bear? So that short term stress allows you to focus. I love that. How do I, how do I deliver the best content right now? How do I, how do I dial in and make sure that I'm, you know, emotionally available to to interact with the audience, all that. I love that. That's so great. And that's ultimately
1: what a goal is. A goal is just, uh, is saying a, a mountain lion is going to be coming around the corner at four o'clock today. So what if I could get all of these things done before four o'clock? Like, and, and it's just, I, I, I thrive. My creative spirit thrives on me setting fake goals so that I can achieve them. And, and I get more work done that way. I, I mean, when I go to the gym, you know, I try to go to the gym daily and, and I, I mean, I work out by myself, but every day it's like, can I do one more rep or can I add a little bit more weight? Like I just, I want to, I want to throw good stress into my life. And then there's a a euphoria that happens when I achieve it.
0: Yeah. Well, that, that the idea of Incremental growth. I mean, that's so huge. In, in health, love the concept in Simon Sinek's newest book, The Infinite Game. You know, health, creativity. I think fits in this category. Those are those are infinite games, right? He talk, so he talks about you know, finite games are there's a specific end, like football. Like, hey, the fourth quarter ends. Whoever is winning, right? I'll put it in terms you understand. So hockey, right? When the you know when the <laughs> when the period ends great. You know, the game is over. Well, creativity, health, relationships, that's not a, I mean, it's ongoing, right? You're constantly doing that. So it's how can I look for incremental growth, incremental steps? And you know, instead of focusing on, Hey, there is no, all right, I won health. Like you didn't do that. Hey, I won, I won energy. No, it's an infinite game. It is. I'm constantly looking at it. I'm constantly, you know, judging it in a good way. You know, that's where data is important. I mean, that's why I track my sleep. That's why I track the supplements I take. That's why I track different biomarkers for my energy. You know, I track all that because if you don't have the data, then it's, you're really making guesses, you know, and that's where, who is it? Um, The researcher from Florida state um, Erickson, uh, you know, he he talked about the idea of deliberate practice. That's where Gladwell got his 10,000 hour rule which I think a lot of people have botched and maybe we'll talk about that at some point. But, you know, the, the idea that Erickson was saying is that, Hey, you need deliberate practice, not just practice doesn't make per- perfect. You know, it's no, you actually, if you want to grow and improve and become great, deliberate practices is, is your focused and intentional saying, okay, now I'm going to, I need to add five more pounds next week or I'm not going to get stronger. I don't really want to, but I need to, you know, I need to do two more reps. I need to run a half a mile further, all those things, you know, Type of deal, um, hey. So talking about, I like to rewind a second. Talking about stress again. So, in in a high stress season, talk about what what can what can creatives do? What can leaders do in a high stress season? When hey, there are deadlines. I mean, I think about you know in the church world, the nonprofit world, like end of year, right? It's the you've got Christmas and you've got fundraising and you've got. Christmas parties and who knows if it's, you know, more zoom meetings, all these, you've just got, you do have a bunch of deadlines. You've got a lot riding, you know, on that, you know, I mean the amount of money that comes in for nonprofits, churches in December, it's, I mean, it's huge percentage, right? So there's just a lot of stress in specific seasons. What have you seen that helps deal with that, mitigate that? What, what, what are you doing? What would you, you got a group of, of leaders and they're all you know entering that stressful season. What's the, what's, the, what's the strategy? What's the pet talk that you give them?
1: Oh, man. I, I mean, put it all into perspective. A- and I know that this, you know, in the agency world, uh, there's always somebody saying how urgent something is to get done. Um, but it might not be the most important thing to, to really focus on. <laughs> and I, maybe it was a really bad uh, scenario, but I would oftentimes go into our studio of, of designers and say, okay, no one's going to die. Like, let's just put it into that perspective. If we don't get it done, there's never a better opportunity to tell a client that it's not going to get done than right now. So let's let's just figure this out do we have the time to be able to actually complete this? And, and I think a lot of creatives think, Oh no, I'll be able to plow through. I'll be able to get it done. And like, there's so much stress and there's like, you know, you can just feel the weight in the studio. And I've had that weight where it's like, okay, an hour ago, I should have probably told the client, I'm not going to have this. Should I tell them now? Or should I see if I can actually get to it? And then just before the deadline, tell them it's always better now. Like I, I I know, I know oftentimes the, that added stress of all kinds of things have to get done. I'll shoot an email over to a client and say, you know what? I thought I was going to have this done for you. Unfortunately, some things came up. Um, Can I have it to you for tomorrow? And and I can't, I can't believe how many times that a client will say to me, "You know what? I, I'm in no rush for that." And it's like,
0: seriously, that was that was, that was your fake was... deadline. That was your <laughs> fake deadline,
1: Mark. <laughs> and and what I have learned is that everybody does fake deadlines. If I ask somebody, "So when do you need this?" they have to come up with when they need it. It's very rare that they that there is a hard deadline. And so, I mean, in a a very stressful time, I find the more organized I am, the better. So I organize, I set up incremental uh, to-dos in order to make sure that that things are complete. The good thing about incremental uh, to-do lists is that you can kind of figure out, okay, well, there's there's more of those than the time will allow. Um, and, you know, back in the day, what was it? Priority management, I think it was. Priority management was the first goal-setting uh, uh, agency that I, I walked through, and they helped me set up goals and things. And what they told us to do was prioritize everything. So, you really know, important. it really is important <laughs> because you have you know and when you know back before computers this was this was like one of those binders they said just write down everything that you can think of and and i think they were the ones that taught me about incremental uh, to-do lists so they said break it all down next to every uh every to-do thing every task um write down approximately how long it'll take you to to do it then put next to the time is it really important an a if it's not all that important a b and if it probably can't get done a c then take a look and make sure that your a's add up to how much time you have in the day in order to be able to do it um and then prioritize your a's it's like so put a little one next to your a two three i still do stuff like that like i am in my uh, task list. I prioritize, and if there's more things on my to-do list than I can do today, I I go through and uh, in in things you can assign it to another day. So so I can just throw it over into my next day. Um, I can always look at the all of the lists, um, you know, even down the road. But just for me getting really really organized like it's it's scary sometimes how how clean my desk is I can only work on one project at a time I could be thinking about a lot of projects but I'm really I have one thing in front of me and and then I move on to the next thing but I have right there on my on my screen a big uh, listing of all the tasks that I have to get done so for me um, there I have to thrive on knowing. And I know a lot of creatives thrive on not knowing. And they're the ones that that have the most anxiety, the most stress. and and oftentimes they're they're not able to accomplish all that they could accomplish if they just got a little bit more organized.
0: Hmm. All right, we interrupt this really fun interview to bring another biohack of the day. So if you are looking for a freeway, that just sounds like I'm saying like an interstate, a freeway, a way that does not cost you anything to improve your workouts, get stronger and lose weight. This is, this is simply what you need to do. Move your workouts to the afternoon. So sometime after three o'clock, wrap up before dinner time, move your workouts there. Right? So part of our circadian rhythm, right? We've talked about this before the natural rhythms of our body. One of the things that happens in the afternoon is that our muscle tone uh, rises in the afternoon. So this helps us with our strength training, right? Weightlifting, um, high intensity workouts. If you're doing like HHI, HIIT uh, workouts, uh, you'll perform those better, right? Blood flow and blood pressure. Right. They also rise in the afternoon. So that helps your, your muscles get more oxygen, right? So this is a, just a great time for you to do your strength workouts. Well, here's a bonus, right? Exercise is known to suppress appetite, right? So afternoon, right. You're going to work out. You're going to help burn some calories, but then also suppress your appetite and hunger right before dinner time. So you will probably eat less. So, um, exercise in the afternoon, sometime after three, try to finish up uh, before before dinner time and you'll eat less you'll be stronger and it really didn't cost you a thing so back to the interview so you've been around a lot of leaders right in your in your couple laps around the Sun I'm curious what are some of the for some of the habits, some of the the hacks you've picked up on or borrowed from from leaders, you know, to to, to be great at what you do, to be a, to be a better leader, better creative. Um, curious of kind of some of the stuff that you've as a, I know you're a you're a learner. Uh, I know you're you know a, a big time learner. So what what's some of the stuff that you've picked up along the way from others? Oh my goodness! I you know I've sat in
1: meetings where we're trying to figure out. Um, who can help us with a project? You know, if it's on the church side of things, you know, it's all volunteers and, and people are like, well, we're going to need to have a team be able to do this. And then we throw out names. And the first thing that happens is people go, oh my goodness, they're just so busy. There would be no way that they would be able to help us. I say the exact opposite. Busy people get more work done. So, um if you talk to a busy person and convince them of why they should be working on something they they can usually get more work done in their busyness than a, a person who's not busy i almost called them lazy uh, a non-busy person i'm gonna try to be really nice non-busy person um will probably not do the project as good. So, so, I want to encourage busy people. I want to help busy people and fan the flame because number one, if they're busy, that means that they're needed somehow and they're wildly talented. So, you know, the people who are listening right now, if you find yourself busy, that means you're wildly talented make sure that you treat it like a gift that's been given to you by God above because it is given to you by God above. And so um, on the flip side of that is if you're a busy person, stop doing everything that you've been asked to do if somebody else can do it with your oversight. So um, you know, take, take the emphasis, a lot of times it's like, oh, I'm just so busy. Well, is there somebody else who can come alongside of you and you can train them and encourage them and motivate them to do something that might be a little bit different from you, but just stop doing it all. Like It's just so much more fun to, to have somebody else who comes alongside of you and you can mentor them and train them and you will learn a ton of stuff from them. And I would encourage you to find somebody who's really busy near you and say, would you ever think about helping me with this? And you'll be amazed at how many times that they're like, yes, I would love to do that. Will you teach me how to do that? And then just make sure you do it with a, a lot of oversight.
0: the other the very 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 practical thing there too is i mean if you can delegate something 30 minutes an hour even a week well that's another hour you can work out you can learn you can spend with your you know with your your spouse your kids a friend volunteer. i mean it's one of those where yeah i think the the type a driven always got to be on you know i've got got my goals and, you know, the, you know, the vision we're trying to achieve. And it's like, Hey, just cause it's, you're the leader or you're in charge or, you know, you kind of cast the vision. Doesn't mean you have to do everything, you know? For so sure the, In
1: fact, it means the opposite. If you're going to be a leader, raise up followers because a lot of leaders are walking by themselves and that's not much of a leadership uh stance to take. I mean yeah. we we really need to have other people following us and and if you think well there's no one that wants to follow me there are people who want to learn what you are doing especially if you're a busy person because you're you're busy because a lot of people are relying on your expertise.
0: Yeah. Hey, let's do a couple rapid fire questions here. How do you stay healthy on the road? I try
1: to eat well and I get a lot of sleep. I, I, I like uh, mentally check out at 10 o'clock and, and I'm usually totally asleep by 1030.
0: How does your best day start?
1: Oh, after a good night's sleep. And, uh, I go to the gym and I don't necessarily enjoy the gym. I really hate the treadmill. That's why I like Greg Darley. And, uh, and, and then, um, I rely heavily on a, a nice breakfast and I try to, I, I try to go with that keto route. So I usually try to have bacon as part of it.
0: I mean, bacon makes everything better. Let's just be honest. You know, bacon working out, bacon in meetings. You know, exactly. Uh, if you knew how much bacon
1: my wife and I go through, I had to throw her into this as well. We both eat keto. We we buy bacon by bulk.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Um, all right. If you could sit down with every leader for a cup of coffee and provide them, you, you only got one nugget of, truth, of, of inspiration to share with them one idea that could help them thrive, help them, you know, be great at what they do. What's the one thing you share? Figure out your lane and stay in it. I
1: mean, and that is, that is ultimately the summary of everything that I do. You need to be known for something. And a lot of people think if I can be known for lots of things, I'll be famous, but Look at the people who are famous. They're known for one thing. There are so many one-hit wonders out there. They're known for one song. I mean, our, our whole world uh, loves when people focus and they become, they excel at it. I mean, Tiger Woods got really good at golf. Billy Graham got really good at Jesus. Um, Rick Warren got really good at purpose-driven. Gary Chapman got really good at five love languages i i my prayer is as a leader you're you're busy and use that busyness to focus all of your stress towards getting really good at one thing and make sure that one thing that lane is a multi lane highway that everyone wants to drive on.
0: What are some daily habits, daily routines that are just non-negotiables? You said go to the gym, so that sounds like one of them.
1: Yeah. Um, daily, I mean, again, it's, it's probably sleep setting goals, <laughs> cleaning my desk. It's just sounds crazy, but I, I'm just, my desk, OCD. It, it, there's <laughs> might be a little bit of OCD here, but it's, it's the way, I, it's hard for me to be creative when there's chaos all around me. I know a lot of people who are creative, who love that chaos. Um, but, but I need to be able to, to know, um, you know, where things are. Everything in its place is, is probably my, my big thing. And don't put it down, put it away. Like that's my mantra. Um, and, and then I would even add to that to say, uh, if you're working on something, finish it. don't just stop midstream like do whatever you can to finish it um i'm I'm the same way with with my toothpaste or my
0: i need you to come oh. coach me I don't want to show you my office is actually pretty clean. I cleaned it up I straightened up bookshelves but um and if, then if you knew how many times
1: I'm on the road and someone in my family. Calls me and says, "Dad, I need such and such." And it's like go out into my workshop. It's probably the second shelf up. It's right there in the middle. Make sure you put it back where, because to me, like, why would you want the stress of not knowing where something is?
0: <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, so talking about the the daily habits and stuff. Have you do you know the the book Daily Rituals? Have you seen this book? No, I haven't. So basically, it. it um, I have it back here somewhere. Um, You're supposed to know exactly what shelf it's on. It, it is. It's actually right. I can see it. So basically, what he did, is he he looked at I don't know, maybe 100 creatives, writers, playwrights, uh, theologians, and basically just kind of gave a page, page and a half overview of you know what their what their habits were. You know, how did they create? you know, and so one of the kind of big takeaways from that book for me was, you know, creativity is less of this, you know, like the movie scene where they're sitting under the tree, you know, and the inspiration, you know, the heavens open up and it's like, Oh, here's this, here's the new brand, here's the new logo, here's the, here's the movie or the play. And it was, it's more about this just daily, you know, discipline execution uh, of these steps. Um, I have to send you, I'll send you a link. We'll put it in the show notes too, for people love it. Uh, but you know, you, you sit there and you, you hear how Victor Hugo would always take baths and then he would write and like Soren Kierkegaard, the, you know, the Danish theologian, he went on a walk every morning, right? Spent time walking to, to basically prep his mind and then he'd sit down and shut his office door and write for four hours. And that's what he did all the time. Right. Uh, so lots, lots of cool stuff at those, I think those daily yeah, habits yeah. there.
1: My best ideas come when I'm the busiest that I am. Um, I, I'm writing all the time, you know, I've written over 800 magazine articles. The um, so like yesterday I wrote an, an article, uh, tomorrow I'll probably write another article. And and like are all of them award winning? No, but certain ones rise to the top and the cool thing about technology today is when I like, you know, the magazines that I write for at the end of the year, they'll, they'll show me the rankings of all the top articles that have been clicked on. I repurpose all of my articles. So they're all on be known for under the articles tab. And, and I know, um, how many people you know through google analytics you know how many people actually found certain ones through either online search or or just scrolling through and then stopping and looking at things so what that tells me is that um you know these are the more popular things and and that helps hone my craft So like analytics and working hard and like I'm just constant like it's just I mean I rarely shut off until I fall into bed at night but but it's really knowing your lane and then just devoting all of your attention and energy and strength
0: uh, and prayer to that lane. Love that. Last question. I know because we. I mean we. I I spend a lot of time and you know part of the goal is hey how do how do we stay healthy? How do we get healthy? How do we keep the energy up? All that but this is kind of a bear your soul question to end on. What is your most unhealthy guilty pleasure?
1: Oh, for sure. It'd be ice cream. Uh, I mean, and I have convinced myself that there's a high enough fat content in ice cream that it's almost keto.
0: <laughs> I love it. Well, Hey, bud, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining me and sharing uh, again, some of your story and just some great insights. Lots of creatives out there. I know you, you run some, some some cool things. Hey, where can people find you? Where can they read some of these 800 articles? Where, where can people stay in touch? BeKnownForSomething.com. Uh, that kind
1: of, you know, everything that I do gets put on onto, onto there. And then, of course, all of the social media. Um, I mean, I even have a Pinterest account, my LinkedIn account, um, uh, Facebook. I have a couple of accounts there and Twitter um and most times you can find me under mark mac 1023 1023 cuz it's my birthday um but mark mac 1023 will find me in if it,
0: 1023 it,
1: 77 78 is
0: that it oh
1: my word 60s <laughs> 60s were the was the best generation um but uh but certainly uh you know you know, go to my, go to social media. If you post a comment or a post
0: or message me, I always get back. Cool. Well, thanks man for, for joining us and everyone, we will see you next time. As always, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would share it with your friends. And if you really enjoyed it, leaving us a review on Apple podcasts or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening, that would be a huge help so that other leaders can find us and learn more about what we're learning about. And don't forget, you can get 10% off your entire order at peakenergynutrition.com with the code podcast, 10% off your entire order. And remember, You owe it to those that you lead and to those that you love to bring your best energy. We'll see you next time.